Blog Talk Radio. An old Cherokee is teaching his grandson about life. A fight is going on inside of me, he said to the boy. It is a terrible fight and is between two wolves. This wolf has sorrow, regret, greed, arrogance, self-pity, guilt, resentment, inferiority. This wolf lies, has false pride, superiority, and ego. The old Cherokee continued, the other is good. He is joy, serenity, humility, kindness, benevolence. This wolf has empathy, generosity, truth, compassion, and faith. But this fight, this same fight, is also going on inside of you and inside every other person, too. The little grandson thought about it for a minute. Then he asked his grandfather, which wolf will win? The old Cherokee Cherokee simply responded, it's the one you feed.
once again. Mm -mm -mm -mm. Good evening, (laughs) good afternoon, or good morning. It all depends on what part of the world you are listening. Okay, namaste, and welcome to another episode of the Greenhouse Effect Radio Show here on Blog Talk Radio. It is December 17th, one week away from Christmas. Jeepers. Yes. My name is... My name is Will Green, holding down one half of his co-hosting duties here. Uh, sitting in his chair, holding down the other half, is my dad, my best friend, Bill Green. What's happening, Daddy-O? What's up, Wilfredo? <laughs> you got it? it is it, is it too early to tell? How you feeling tonight? Oh, you got to get uh, it. Is. I'm sorry. It is. Definitely <laughs> too, too early to tell. Were you going to give the disclaimer? My apologies. I messed up your flow there, man. What's happening, no, Daddy-O? Okay. Hey, Wilfredo, what's up? Hey, for those of you who don't know, that's not really his name. That's what my oldest brother called me, and until he gets a, a little Wilfredo, he's stuck with the title. How's that, man? Did I cover it, Did I cover it that time? Yeah, 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 yeah. Shouts out to Uncle Johnny. <laughs> now see that's an inside joke Now you got to explain the whole thing Oh well We'll, we'll, we'll do it at another time Because you will definitely well, be able to tell it better than me Alright all right. Yeah I'll, I'll leave it alone man You're right Let's just move on Because right? I'll get into one yeah. of them stories And the, and the show will be over <laughs> Here I go I'm, I'm opening the can and setting you up I know right Yeah <laughs> But again, welcome everybody. Welcome everybody. Uh, Amen. Before we get Amen. going here, we always like to remind everybody. Uh, before we get going, just a few things here. Um, grab a pen and pad, a pencil and paper, a marker and a post-it note. Uh, whatever you got, we just want to make sure that if you got questions, you know, you write them down. Don't forget it. You might even pick up some 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 tidbits of information here on the show. Um, so it'd be good to write down those notes as well. Um, as as we say here, why use a hundred words when a thousand words will do? But we want to make man. sure that you don't miss out on anything. Yeah. <laughs> um, the chat room is open for those that are online. I see they chiming in already. Hey Ray, what's happening? Hey Artie, Artie was already on. Forty nine. She was uh, was already on uh, ahead of time. So I'm glad somebody else got to hear the wolf. The wolf story. <laughs> so thank you. That's a great it story. Is, really. Yeah, yeah. yeah I, it's it's something about reading it every time. Um. Uh. The, oh yeah. So the chat room is open. Uh. For those of you with your Blog Talk Radio account, which you can set up for free, and if you want to interact in the chat room, and of course our 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 call in number. Hmm. Almost I had too much sugar. Our call in number. It's 516-453-6094, 516-453-6094. And if you're calling on the phone line, if you press 1 on your keypad, you will come up in our queue, and we will bring you in for discussion, comments, questions, anything you got. You just want to show the power of your effects. Yeah. Amen. So those are our reminders. <laughs> Yeah. So um, just a quick milestone moment, man. Uh, the greenhouse effect, 
has officially produced and aired over a hundred episodes. Well, <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> that's that's what I didn't understand that banner I read on MSNBC. That's what they were talking about. All right. <laughs> that, that's what those uh, millions of fans that's out there listening internationally yeah. and overseas, right? And Rachel right actually got one of my emails. All right, cool. Right on. Yeah, so just a little milestone there, yeah. 100 episodes. Yeah, and Ray just tossed up some confetti as well. <laughs> boom, boom, there it is. That's right. Milestones yeah. are happening. Absolutely, yeah, absolutely. Right. Yeah, I, yeah. I, I already sent out a while, you know. Yeah, we're doing all right, <laughs> man. <laughs> I, I was always concerned at the beginning. I always felt like a milestone was just completing the episode where you and I Oof. just wasn't here. <laughs> just at the beginning, I was... Small yeah. victories, small victories, you know. But, uh, yeah, so thank you all. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, Dad. Thank you, everybody that's listening. That's a part of the show that's been supporting uh, me and Dad. Um, so, yeah, we're at 100 episodes. So. And we got listeners overseas, so it's pretty cool, pretty cool. So here are you are hearing a double C echo from me, man? No. No. Okay. Not. Um, no, I mean the show wouldn't be complete without some type type of technicality or technical difficulty, right? <laughs> Especially um, if it's the hundredth show. You you might be getting it because uh, you might have to mute your computer if your com- sound yeah. levels on your computer. Yeah. I did, uh, and I don't know how many times I had to learn that, and I still forget. I did. So see if that helps. Okay. And Can you hear me? <laughs> yeah, we we still. I got, did. What? Huh? Huh? No, I, I can't hear you. <laughs> can you hear me now? No, still I can't. still can't hear you, man. <laughs> <laughs> call back. Hang up and call back. <laughs> yeah. No, we're. Well, I'm hearing it on, on this end. That's why I was asking. Okay. But I did something different that I hadn't done before. I actually dialed in to the um, studio. So I got the right. studio going at the same time, so that might be a conflict of interest here. But that's all right. As long as it's not going out there, I can live with it. I don't mind hearing my voice twice. <laughs> hey, well, uh, uh, 2,000 words will do in this case. <laughs> <laughs> you got to hear it twice. Oh, man. Oh, it's so nice you got to okay. hear it twice. That's my all right, I'll, I'll chill out. I'll chill out. All right, I think I'm the one that had too much caffeine. <laughs> I, I I don't know, man. I, I think it's all kind of things happening out here. We got retrogrades. We got uh, planets coming close to each other Monday. So, you know, it's all kind of the new year is coming. It's, it's, it's a trippy time of the year, that's for sure. This is definitely a trippy time of the year right now. Um, so where are we, man? What's happening? What's, what's the deal? Man, what's going on? Well, you know, we, we've been talking a lot about uh, fixed mindsets and growth mindsets for the last couple of weeks, um, right. emotional intelligence, uh, things of that nature. And just, you know, looking, looking forward, uh, looking ahead, if you will, towards the, um, towards the end of this year and 
you know, uh, we use the term inventory a lot and, you know, just making sure that I like to make sure that mentally, you know, we're at a better place than we were last year, you know, starting off the year with, with some good notes, some good strategies, mm-hmm. some maybe some good plans, some some good um, uh, personal inventory, you know, uh, right on. Maybe even maybe even getting rid of getting rid of extra baggage that we might have accumulated uh, along with that extra toilet paper from dealing with this year, you know. So that was a little COVID joke. I was trying to it didn't go over too well, but uh, well, it's because yeah. it's, it's a COVID joke. That's hard for the, That's kind of like an oxymoron, <laughs> you know. It's a COVID joke. <laughs> yeah, man. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, good luck with that one. That's that's a good point. That's a good point. So yeah, you know, we we talked about that. Uh, we can keep. We're going to keep that conversation going and just touching on some things. Um, if anybody's still having questions uh, about the differences of growth mindset and fixed mindset, please don't hesitate to either call the phone line or hit us up in the chat room. And you know, I'd love to help. Uh, we both would would love to discuss and maybe help clarify anything, any questions you may have, but, um, you know, that's, 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 that's the main thing. That's the, the, the meat of where we're headed towards the end of, you know, tonight and towards the end of this year. But, uh, you know, it's always, man, you know, I thank you, Adam. Adam got the joke. I appreciate it. Yes, Um, of course he did. (laughs) (laughs) You know, your cubs going to bail you out, man. (laughs) And Adam, uh, I want to I want to give a quick shout out to Adam, man, because Adam has been has been with me since you know before before the Greenhouse Effect Radio Show. Us, um, yeah, and you you as well, you know, when I was you know doing the other no, he's stuff. He's been with us. Yeah, he's been with us. That's all I was saying. I was just including me in that. Go ahead, man. I'm taking you off your stride. Go on. So I'm um, just saying, just saying, thanks, Adam, for again your support. Um, right as we, we hit this 100-episode milestone. Um, but, yeah, I mean, you know, what now, now what? You know, what, what, can, we, what can we say? Um, you know, again, there's so many things that's going on. Uh, again, that's one of the reasons why I like talking about this fixed and growth mindset and trying to develop some emotional intelligence and building some self-awareness about yourself um, with all these things that are still happening. Um, in our world, dealing with politics and um, hopefully dealing with a, a smooth transition of presidential people and, you know, all these things. So, you know, I definitely want to, you know, take this time early in the show uh, before we get into fixing, fixed mindsets and growth mindsets and things of that nature just to, you know, um, kind of get back on current events, you know, get into some subject matter. Um, I, last week we didn't really have, really have a lot of time to dive deep into a Black's view. So um, there's a lot of information that I'm very excited to hear from you, especially in regards to, you know, Manifest Destiny and Stagecoach Mary and um, some other things that, that's going on, like I said, currently. Amen. Yeah, but, I, you know, I mean, um, I wasn't keeping stock and inventory on, on the time and how it was spent, man. That was a down show last week. You know, you brought it, man. You brought it all the way. And I'm glad you're doing follow-up tonight. Yeah. 
Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. You know, we, I, we, um, go ahead, man. Go ahead. I was going to say, yeah, we we will definitely get into some more follow up uh, tonight. I'll keep. I threw you off your stride again. No, man, it's me, man, it's me. I'm bumping up against you. I I just wanted to um, <clears throat> tap on one little thing right quick. You know, I was digging through the catacombs of the garage, and I came across um, a book that um, I had been looking for but forgot I was looking for it. It's my Alcoholics Anonymous text, or what's referred to as the big book. And I brought it in, you know, to my into my little um, crystal cave, so to say, and um, and then listening to you, I realized why I brought it in. You know, I opened it up right to the um, um, fourth step, which is personal inventory. And if I can, I just wanted to read a little bit from the book, you know, because I think oh, it yeah. tracks was right with where you are. And Absolutely. the fourth step starts with acknowledging, you know, therefore we started upon the personal inventory. So before the fourth step came the first three. And um, the fourth step is really the first action step in the 12-step program. The first three steps are pretty much preliminary um, foundation setting, you know, coming to grips with powerlessness, unmanageability, um, recognizing a power greater than self, and then uh, making a decision as the third step to turn my life and my will over to the care of God as I understand him. You know, and as I have all of a sudden become fond of saying, but therein lies the rub. (laughs) And I know it's going to take me a while to get off of that. So, man, just get used to hearing me say it for a while. You know, God is I understand God, not the God of someone else's understanding, but my own. You know, however I understand that God to be that saved me from from, um, the insanity that plagued my life. So coming to step four already figuring the first three are now in place. It says, therefore, we started upon a personal inventory. This was step four. A business which a business which takes no regular inventory usually goes broke. Taking a commercial inventory is a fact-finding and fact-facing process. It is an effort to discover the truth about the stock and trade. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods. One object is to disclose damaged or unsaleable goods to get rid of them promptly and without regret. Sorry, I had to go find my glasses. If, If the owner of the business is to be successful, he cannot fool himself about values. We did exactly the same thing with our lives. We took stock honestly. First, we searched out the flaws of our makeup, which caused our failure. Being convinced that self manifested in various ways was what had defeated us. We considered its common manifestations. Resentment is the number one offender. It destroys more alcoholics than anything else. From, the, from it stem all forms of spiritual disease where we have been not only mentally and physically ill, we have been spiritually sick. You know, so this inventory you know, personal inventory thing for me and um, how it applies to the principles of of my changed life is an absolute that isn't done just once. And that's what fascinated me about you were talking about the the aspects of the fixed mindset, the growth mindset, and then emotional intelligence 
which for me, an ongoing inventory also promotes a degree of emotional maturity. You know, Mm -hmm. suddenly I start taking not just stock and inventory of ownership, though, of what's, you know, what's in my trade, you know, what is um, damaged and unsaleable that needs to be gotten rid of and what is still a value that needs to be reordered. Yeah. So anyway, man, I just wanted to throw that out there right quick. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. Amen. It's almost like, um, I don't know. It's almost like, um, steps to changing the fixed mindset to a growth mindset, huh? My Um, man, you know, and, and, and it's not like you said last week, the fixed mindset isn't necessarily negative, you know, because, you know, sometimes being steadfast, you know, promotes, you know, um, a steady ship, so to say, you know, certain things like four pillars that need to be anchored you know, to steady, you know, my own community. So it's fixed. Can't, it doesn't have to be a bad thing. Yeah. Yeah, But definitely what you said. Yeah. Recognizing though, when it is the thing that gets in the way, you know, and resentment is the fixed mindset, you know, very good, man. Right on Will. you know, and it's damaged. Good. (laughs) You know, so it's like, (laughs) has to be eradicated. You know, and as I'm understanding through what you're teaching, a growth mindset is the only thing that can overcome a fixed mindset of resentment. Yeah, I'm even just thinking about the the fixed mindset of trying to get that next drop of liquor. Um, oh, yeah. Well, that's promoted by the fixed mindset called denial. <laughs> <laughs> no, go ahead, man. Go ahead. You know, oh, yeah. Okay, you're right. You're right. You're rolling, man. You're well, rolling. that's that's, yeah, that's just yeah. But resentment too, man. That's uh, and I'm just it just popped in my head. So um, just the the steps of AA. That's uh, that's really cool. And how you were able to relate that, you know. Um, well, AA did it first, not me, you know, and it did it right in the fourth of the first edition, which has not been changed since 1939. And it's real simple, you know, it's the fourth, and it just says, you know, we of Alcoholics Anonymous are more than 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body to show other alcoholics precisely how we have recovered is the main purpose of this book. You know, and um, so it speaks in, you know, not in generalities, but absolutes, you know. And then it goes on to say to raise, you know, to get to your point. For them, we hope these pages will prove so convincing that no further authentication will be necessary. We think this account of our experiences will help everyone to better understand the alcoholic. Many do not comprehend that the the alcoholic is a very sick person. And then this is the point. This, to me, is the, the crux of the first paragraph. And it says, and besides, we are sure that our way of life has its advantages for all. So, again, it's, you know, where most people misconceive, you know, what, the, what this book and what this concept and what these steps are about. Yeah, it's to help the alcoholic or the addict, you know, right their ship. But, you know, these principles can be applied to everyone. And it's got nothing to do with drinking or using other drugs. It has to do with recognizing 
a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Seemingly hopeless state. That's that fixed. You know, we think that's really how it is, but it just seems to be that way. That fixed mindset doesn't allow any other way to look at it. And even a fixed mindset of judgment, you know, says, well, that program doesn't apply to me because I ain't an alcoholic. It ain't talking about drinking. It ain't talking about drugging. It's talking about a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. And besides, we believe our way of life has its benefits for all. There it is right there, man. Well, well, yeah, thanks for sharing that. I thought you were going to say you found uh, <laughs> Think and Grow Rich. <laughs> no, no, man. I've given up that search. I think I'm destined to be stuck in Poe. <laughs> <laughs> that is definitely a fixed mindset on that yeah, one. Yeah, <laughs> so I need to, I need to, I need to pay attention and and come, you know, I, and maybe when I get my thinking right, then the book will show up again. <laughs> but as long hey. as I'm thinking stuck in Poe. You know, that book ain't got no reason to reveal itself. So, <laughs> like, you're not going to do anything but shake your fist at me. Get off my lawn! <laughs> that? That, that which is seeking you, that which you're seeking is seeking you. Is, how, Amen. That's, that's my same. man, Rumi. Yeah. Yeah, man. That which you are seeking is seeking you. Amen. Yeah. And if you don't know who so, you are, anybody can name you. <laughs> anybody. Yeah. Yeah, anybody can. So ahead, where are we at? Man. Like you know, um, I, I I wanted to, you know, to kind of open the mic for you, um, just as far as, um, you know, where we're at. So so recently, I want to just jump in it now before we before we okay, get into there you everything. Go. Yeah, and then yeah. we could, and then we could, if we want, we could. Transition and segue to a black view, uh, but you know, recently, and I don't want to put the you know put this out here. So recently, um, you know, the Negro League has finally been recognized by the Major League Baseball people, and um, you know, a lot of headlines are like, finally, you know, it's been a long time coming, and a lot of people are applauding that the Major League Baseball is finally officially recognized all the different Negro leagues um, from, what, 1920 to 1948. Um, but I know that there's some, um, some, you know, just looking at my responses that I got from, like, posting the articles, some people um, don't really, aren't impressed by it. Uh, some people don't like it. Um you know, there's all kind of different reasons why there's some, there's pros and cons to this move by Major League Baseball. And you know, you know, you you introduced me to baseball. You were my first coach. You 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 uh, when you played, you were a good player. You know, so you know, baseball is kind of in our blood, if you will. You know, we, we we I think we've watched almost every baseball movie, at least in my generation. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so we have a, you know, we have a, a common, you know, love for baseball, if you will, you know, and and of course, major respect for those in the Negro League. But I wanted to, you know, use this time to, like we do, 
I wanted to use this time like we do um, to kind of cross-reference our generations. And I just want to get your insight and get your feelings on this move that happened. Okay, but, on man, I was kind of hoping you would get into the fix, the growth, and the, you know, emotional intelligence thing first, man, because that's what everybody's waiting to hear. You know, your 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 review and and concluding comments about that. You know, unless you just don't want to, <laughs> which I can do. Well, I think that the fix and growth mindset, the way that we're kind of flowing through the end of the month, um, I don't. I wasn't really expecting to give any concluding. Uh, oh, okay, I got you. Anything okay. ending. Um, whereas we can just kind of leave it open to keep talking about it as we, you know, discuss other things towards the end of the year. But, you know, like I said, I, I wanted to kind of just get your insight on this now before we get into fixing growth mindset. All right. Well, you know, you're the EP, so I got to follow directions. You know, um, I, you know, I don't, Mine isn't a, a pro or a con, you know. My mine is a is an indifference, you know. Um, what was done in the Negro League speaks for itself, and you know the Negro Leagues didn't decide to include the major leagues in their records, you know. Uh, that you know the Negro League stood for just what they stood for during a time of of separation, during a time of racism, during a time of um, of um, polarization. You know, so it did what it had to do in order to express its love for the game. And what most people don't realize, the Negro League, you know, because we're just so we're so distorted when it comes to history, we don't understand events as a people too well. And I'm when I'm saying that, I'm talking about as a nation. I'm not singling out black folks. As a nation, we just have a distorted understanding of the historical approach to anything that is a is a is a momentous occasion. So I'm sure for some in the in the major leagues, you know, the idea of including the Negro League records into their into their um, vast bag of statistics means something to them. It doesn't mean anything to me, you know. It really doesn't, you know. Um, it, 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 it is. I, somebody made a comment on a comment about that. You know, um, that whole thing, that article that has been posted by several people. And I read one comment where a a guy said, good, now Josh Gibson will be recognized as being as great as Babe Ruth. And I'm like, dude, Hank Aaron is already greater than Babe Ruth. (laughs) You know, so that's that, you know, kind of thing that, you know, the reason for the Negro Leagues was this desire to play this game and to be included in something that absolutely absolutely would not let them be included. So I think the great failing is the mindset that chased just about all black players from the major leagues now. And I really think this is just something that is being done to try to coerce black men and women to get reinvolved with major league baseball. I'm not talking about Cubans, Hispanics, Latinos, Dominicans, I'm talking about African-Americans, you know, we're only now a handful, you know, probably lesser than the full number that joined the majors in the early 50s, right after, you know, for the three years that Jackie Robinson broke the color line, him and Larry Doby, Larry Doby being the first 
black player to integrate the, the American League and with the Cleveland Indians. It seems odd that it would have been the Indians that this black dude was brought into the foray. You know, but I, I would, without having statistics in front of me to support it, I would bet that there were more black ball players in the late 40s and early 50s than there are now. You know, and, you know, I'm sure part of it has to do with the fact that with basketball and, and football, you know, the salaries, are, although not as equal to, you know, major league, still baseball has the, the greatest salaries, but, I mean, for the majority, not for the select few. You know, but um, the other thing is, man, now major league baseball lasts for almost nine months. <laughs> you know, I mean, I'm talking about including the spring training. You know, so, you know, you're talking about a, what, 182-game schedule? Is that right? I think so. You know, yeah. 162, 182, something like that, you know. And you're talking about dudes being out there in the game three-plus hours almost every day for seven, eight months. You know, people don't realize that ain't nothing to shake a stick at. They think major league ball players are out of shape, all that. Look here, try doing anything for nine months that includes three hours of it and try doing it without without working out to get yourself in shape to be able to do it. And I think then you'd have an appreciation for what what it is to be a major league baseball player. So the Negro Leagues did all that, along with having to deal with all the other issues that were going on in society during that stretch of time and previous to the development. It's not like the Negro Leagues just woke, woke, woke up one day and said, hey, let's just start a league. <laughs> Still had to go through all of the um, trials and tribulations of just even being recognized by the black public as being authentic. You know, so just the validation of all these brothers saying, okay, just because you all won't let us play with you doesn't mean we don't have skills. And we're not only going to eventually show you how bad our skills are, but it'll get to the point where y'all ain't going to ever want to play against us again, which is what happened. You know, right. the white boys got tired of getting whooped on. <laughs> they say, no, man, we don't need to embarrass. You know, like at first they tried to play it off. And, well, you know, we didn't want to show them up. And they were like, shit, shoot. <laughs> show up, you know, <laughs> you know so the best started playing the best, and they just warm out. You said, all right, that's it, no more of that. You know, I mean, the thing is, you know, like as it's been so often in the in the brief history of of this so-called level playing field, given the opportunity, you know, um, black men, black women, you know, artists, um, um, nerds, uh, whatever the case may be, have always risen to the task, you know, um, as it is in all nations that profess, you know, a requested blessing of God, you know, God bless America, you know, did not exclude black people. It wasn't God bless America and Negroes, you know, so given a chance to express these God given skills, even if people wanted to disregard them, of course it was going to show up. It was going to rise to the top. The cream always does, you know, so my thing is, no, I'd rather that we hold sacred our accomplishments in spite you know, of all of what you did to try to keep it from happening. So every time you see a black ball player in, in the major leagues, you're reminded of the history that they carry with them, their ancestry, 
their lineage that went through baseball, that extended from slavery, you know, that rose beyond the scope of all which tried to keep them from arriving to that pinnacle of excellence. That's why I want to just keep it separate. So every time anybody looks at a black ball player, even if he don't know the history of of what allowed him to walk on that field, history will, you know, once history is told, in the way that it needs to be through, you know, American understanding, then the appreciation would even be greater. It would be lost to me in that, in that, in that blend, you know, it would be somewhat um, clouded and confused, you know, because we're talking about dudes who played the game for the purity of the game, you know, cats like Hank Aaron, who never hit 50 or more home runs in one season, but still broke Babe Ruth's record. That's phenomenal, man. You know, um, so, you know, I'm, I'm thinking of, 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 of the icons like Don Newcomb and, and Roy Campanella. And, yeah, of course, Jackie Robinson and Larry Doby and Frank Robinson and Ernie Banks. And, you know, I mean, this, you know, this is where these guys came from. They didn't come from the major leagues. They came from the Negro leagues. I remember my mother and a guy she was um, with, I'm not, I don't know who he was, I was, way too young to know. Uh, my, my dad had long since died, so I know what him. So I must have been around 11, 12. And she and her and the, and the dude took me to Comiskey Park. You know, and I'm like, wow, I'm going to see a ball game. Cool. You know, and we were like right up in, I mean, box seats. And while we were watching, you know, these, these black dudes were out there playing. And I'm like, okay, you know, this this is like the, this is the lead act, you know, before the, before the right. White Sox show up, you know, I'm like, yeah, I'm trying to be cool, you know, like I'm getting antsy, though, you know, like, man, this game has been going on a long time. These cats ain't going to be able to play pretty soon. Or I got to have to leave, you know. So I finally turned to my mother, this true story, and I said, Mama, when are the, you know, when are the real ball players going to come out? And she looked at me and said, honey, these are the real ball players. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right on. Sorry, that kind of choked me up. I didn't expect that to happen, you know, and that's what I carry, man, and that's what I feel. Now, I'm sure after my generation has died out and gone on to glory, you know, then everybody would just look at statistics and and just appreciate, you know, the comparisons and all that, and that's fine. But until I've moved on, you know, I'm going to still carry, you know, that particular torch. No, I would rather that before you just look at the blended records that you learn to appreciate the separate records and what these men went through, what they sacrificed, the degradation that they had to deal with just to even be recognized. I'm just kind of tired, you know, of what was that I said to you, you know, of being recognized after we did, like we need to start a whole, not that they're dead (laughs) segment, (laughs) you know, (laughs) you know, I mean, you know, that seems, yeah. Okay. Like, you know, just about everybody in the Negro leagues, you know, it's gone. You know, so, yeah, you know, pretty soon the Black Panthers, you know, the tank unit, they're going to be recognized. Well, they all gone, you know, in World War II, the ones that led Patton's drive through Germany. See, all these things are interrelated to me. I don't separate them, you know, because this is a part of black history, which is American history, which has never been told. So, you know, like if you're going to get into this thing of the major leagues and get into all of the history of what black folks have done in this country, not just with the select comfort zone of, well, now that they're gone, we can talk about them is, you know, bring this stuff to life right now, all of it. You know, we're talking about a stretch of time through the, through the major world wars 
you know, World War II in particular, you know, where black soldiers were still segregated and fighting for the country, and, and black dudes who were trying to just, you know, play the game that they loved and be included in, the, in, the, in, the, in what the pinnacle of the game was about, the major leagues, are just denial, 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 being denied, being denied, being denied, while this country just built his whole, its whole concept of democracy and equality for all. And in real fine print that it just haven't taught except for black people, you know. So no, man, you know that that's sorry to go on and on with this, man. But you know that that's hard for me to just talk in singularities when it comes to you know monumental successes that have been so shrouded, you know, in the darkness of racism. You know, yeah, they're shining the light on it now, but they're shining the light on graves, man. So that's, that's yeah. you know, that's where I am with it. So it, it, it's so much more than a yay or nay thing to me, man. Yeah, it, it's, I have mixed emotions about it. Um, and, you know, one of the concerns is, is um, what kind of commercialization, you know, Major League Baseball can make more of from the, you know, from the Negro League and what kind of support well, probably none will these families that they forgot about get. You know, like you said, now that they did, they shine in light yeah. graves. Yeah. You see, but now you're talking you know, so. like, okay, if you're going to include their records, let's get them involved in some of these pensions. You know, I know there's right. been a select few that did actually play, but let's talk about those that didn't. Now that they're going to be included, where are the reparations for them? Ray wrote in the chat room, amen, Bill Green, just because we can't play in your league doesn't mean we don't have skills, given the opportunity, given the opportunity, man. And even then, given the opportunity, they still handpicked who they wanted, you know. And it's like you had to go through this thing of, 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 of character judgment to decide if, in fact, you know, we're going to let you in because you're going to have to be able to stand up to ridicule and degradation. It's like, no, you know, no, forget all that. You know, there's the problem. Therein lies the rub. <laughs> you know, no, you bring me in there like I am. Don't be looking for somebody else who fits your idea of how I should act. You bring the raw dog in here. You bring me like I am. That'll bring an end to all that crap coming from the stands real quick. Let me just unleash me. You know, yeah, and then real quick, people gonna find out who they're dealing with instead of this, 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 this thing that has just worked its way so much into the fiber of black consciousness that somehow to get angry means you have sinned. You know, man, I'm sorry, Will. Let me hurry up and back off, man. Go on, you better no, take I, over I, quick. <laughs> I, no, I, I got one more thing, man. You know, I'm gonna focus here a little bit more here, um, only because, and you mentioned it just a minute ago, and we've had this discussion. You've mentioned this just tonight in, in previous shows in talking about American history, and part of American yeah. history is, is black history. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah black history so, is American history. It's not a part of American history. It is American history. American so, history is American history, period. Yeah. Go ahead, right. remember what you're so, saying. Yeah. So this is where a lot of the mixed emotions for me come from because, you know, I'm sitting back like, yeah, they're including this black history in this American history of baseball. And instead of having these uh, these moments of history that are hidden, that they're all out there now. 
Um, and I mean, is that? I mean, don't you think that that, um, you know, is it is a good thing? I mean, or am I being a little naive? No, no, no. It's a good thing. You know, it it, it it's a good thing. I mean, you know, um, you know, where there is, you know no need for change, there is no change, you know, so yeah, it's a good thing, you know, so it's the change, whether I like the way it's being done or not, it's still the change, you know, and yeah. it's the change in the scope and the magnitude of, of awareness. It's the gradual visibility being born in a country that has spent an inordinate amount of time keeping me invisible. So any step toward visibility is a worthy step, man. No question about it. You're not being naive. You know, I'm grateful that your generation is 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 consciously aware of that. You know, um, and and you know, I got a little taste of my own medicine yesterday. You know, listening to some music that I found offensive until I finally chilled out long enough to realize, you know, what's offensive to me is music to somebody else's ears. <laughs> You know, and whether, you know, it's like, I don't like opera either. <laughs> you know, so, you know, sometimes it's a matter of recognizing, you know, um, where the voice is coming from. That's the only mm-hmm. way I can ever understand the reason for it. So, no, this is a good thing. But to your point, I just want to read this one thing, and um, it's from the book that I, I've read before, Looking Out for Number One by this guy, Robert Ringer. You know, it's a white dude. You know, I'm just <laughs> clarifying that. Because when I read it, I thought it was a brother. You know, then I said, man, I hope he is. And I looked at the cover and he wasn't. And I said, wow, but that's even more powerful. You know, and he was talking about, you know, the early um, 18th century, then 1758. And he was talking about the Swedish botanist that made the characteristics of all black people a scientific fact. And he's a bot- botanist in working out a system of classifying every known living thing, which actually became a cornerstone for modern biology. Uh, Lynn, that's this guy's name, Carl von Lynn, scientifically described the black African as crafty, indolent, negligent, and governed by caprice. With science on his side, racism gained in their respectability because the scientists said, yeah, you're right to be, you know, um, segregating um, these heathens from your, from your um, religious cult. Later, in the land of the free and the home of the brave, all sorts of irrational occurrences continued to reaffirm Lynn's scientific judgment. In 1857, Chief Justice Taney of the Supreme Court reasoned in handing down the famed Dred Scott decision that a black person has no rights which a white man need respect. Then finally, there was Abe, and he talked about Abe Lincoln's comment. You know, but the thing he said, man, that got me, he said... um, and of course, I, now I can't find it. Um, man, that's deep, <laughs> and I know it's right in front of me. You know. Um, oh. And finally, there was Abe, and he went on to say, "It's amazing what our history books never told us." And when I read that, you know, that's when I said, "Man, a brother must have written this. Wrote this and writ this. Must, a brother must have written this." And I turned to the back cover, and I said, wow, that's even more powerful. This this white brother wrote this. It's amazing what our history, meaning his history, even if that was his intention or not, that's how I got it. It's amazing what our history books never told us. You know, and that's what I mean by, you know, the distorted view of American history. 
that conveniently leaves out the parts that taints, you know, this 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 false pseudo imagery of being so democratic and so you know so freebound, you know, that the fine print suggests, oh, but we forgot to tell you, only for the select few. So I love it when he wrote that, man. I just want to read that one more time. You know, um, it's amazing what, what our history books never told us. So if the history books now are going to include the Negro Leagues in their discussion with the major leagues and carry it all the way through the times of segregation and what the what the what what those brothers were accomplishing in the in the 30s, at the late 20s, the 30s, and the 40s and how only a select few, nevertheless, of their skills were not just taken because of their skills, but because of their demeanor. Yeah, if American history is going to talk like that, right on. But without this inclusion, it never would have had the chance. So I think it's great. Uh-oh. You got got a live one in the chat room, man. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to take a second here. We're going to take a little break for a second. Um. And we'll come back in the top of the hour and get things going. And so, again, ladies and gentlemen, grab, you know, pen and paper if you didn't get one already. Um, and uh, just get your thoughts correct. Uh, get your mind right. Give us a minute here, and uh, we'll give you a second to maybe get something to drink. Give us about a couple minutes here. We'll be right back. This is the Greenhouse Effect Radio Show on the Log Talk Radio.
Hey, welcome back. Welcome back. We're back, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, so, again, just to let you know, we are, uh, first of all, let me apologize um, for some of the things that are in the chat room. Apparently, some people don't have the decency to respect others that are in the chat room here. So I do apologize uh, for those that uh, may uh, have some sensitive nature, um, you know, because there's other people in this chat room that others are not regarding. So, um, unfortunately, I'm trying to take care of that. You know, trolls will be trolls. So we're just going to let them be trolls, um, and they control their ass right on somewhere else. They got a fixed mindset, right? <laughs> so they're going to stay with their fixed mindset right now, and uh, we can just keep moving on and uh, talk about uh, the subject matter that's at hand. So, you know, one of the things that we uh, kept consistency about with these shows um, especially the last couple of weeks, um, is even going back to the earlier shows when we talked about Think and Grow Rich um, and just uh, what you think matters. So that's always been one of the main takeaways of what you think matters. That's really a, even a, uh, the main part of uh, talking about the wolf, um, you know, uh, the, the two wolf stories. Uh, so, yeah, what you think matters is uh, as thoughts are very powerful, you know, and you have the ability to control your mind. So fixed, and growth, fixed mindsets and growth mindsets. So I wanted to do something a little different this time um, and uh, just to briefly go back over fixed mindsets and growth mindsets. Again, a uh, fixed mindset person is somebody focused on looking good and proving their worth with effort. Uh, they excel at protecting and criticizing. A growth mindset person uh, is someone who, you know, sees potential as something that continues to be stretched and grown through challenges, uh, learning through the difficult journey, if you will. I've been using that word a lot, too. Uh, the difficult journey of delivering, you know, on the commitment um, questions. For you all, and I'm, and you know, I don't expect everybody to chime in and things like that. So this is where having pen and pad, uh, pencil and paper comes in real handy. So uh, I will try to share these things um, and, and read them to you as slow as possible. Um, but again, this is something uh, as we look at and evaluate ourselves uh, and what mindset we are—fixed mindset or growth mindset—it's uh, good to have some resources and things to talk with yourself about, to ask yourself those quote-unquote hard questions and things like that. So, and, and, and I'll, I'll get into part of last week in a second. So it's two questions that I'm going to ask you, two questions to assess the mindset, and then there's one question to invite a shift. Now, keep in mind, there's really no weighing uh, the weighing the scale, fixed mindset, growth mindset, this is better than the other, or anything like that. You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Um, I'm waiting for uh, Dad to come back in. Uh, he had to 
switch lines there. So, um, so we'll get him back in in a second. Um, so, again, two questions to assess the mindset. And, again, there's no one is better than the other or anything like that. And, actually, it's very possible now, especially as we continue to adapt through these this new time that we're in, that you may have attributes of both. And I know I have attributes of both, as I'm going to share with you my responses to these questions. So the first question, as you're looking yourself in the mirror, as you're going through these assessments, as you're checking your personal inventory, one question is, what is the biggest behavioral change you ever made? What is the biggest behavioral change you ever made? A couple of weeks ago, when we first started talking about, well, when we got into this month's subject matter, uh, during one of the shows uh, earlier this month, I said when I was younger, I hated change, you know, and I admitted it. I said it out loud. I hate change. I do not want to deal with change at all. I want things to be just as it is. I can deal with gradual change, you know. I mean, we're talking like, pre-2000. <laughs> so, so as you see, my, my mindset was of a younger, uh, younger time. Uh, but that was the biggest behavioral change in being able to accept change uh, and, and, and deal with it accordingly. Uh, and even though I don't like it, you know, I accept it. I deal with it. Um, broken out of that fixed mindset. Um, so the second question is, I hope that helps as you're reviewing that question, the biggest behavioral change you ever, you ever made. So the second question is, what is the biggest mistake you ever made, and what did it teach you? What is the biggest mistake you have ever made, and what did it teach you? One time uh, back in 92, I'm going way back, right, going way back, 92, when uh, the Bulls were playing the Portland Trailblazers, right, for their second title. Um, me and a friend of mine, uh, you all heard him in the earlier shows, uh, one of my tribe, Nola, we were out. This was like one of my first business ventures, right? And so I designed this T-shirt <clears throat> with the bull on it, you know, highly illegal because, you know, we were pirating logos and stuff, but we didn't know about that, you know what I'm saying? So the short of the story is I drew this design, and we were selling T-shirts, right? <laughs> but uh, it's just a trip when you look at your experiences in life, I'll tell you. Um, so we went to this guy. This guy had this uh, silk screening company, right? So we needed some shirts printed. We're like, man, here's the design. Check it out. We need these shirts printed. And he looked at the design. He's like, man, you're a really good artist. You know, I'm like, you know, cool, thanks, man. You know, so he went on and did his thing, and he was like, look, I need you to, can you do this, uh, can you do something for me? And I'm like, sure. He was like, draw a noose. Draw a noose? The heck is this dude talking about, you know? <laughs> so, you know, I'm, I'm like, what do you, you know, a noose. Yeah, okay, I'll draw the news. Um, and I didn't. And then, well, I did, but I really didn't put a lot of effort into it. Um, 
I just kind of dismissed it. Um, that's not one of the biggest mistakes. And however you want to, you know, label the biggest mistake is on you. But the reason why I mention it is because I look back at that, um, and the guy said to me, he's like, man, you know, never dismiss an opportunity that's in front of you. And I really didn't see it as an opportunity. You know, I just saw it as this dude wanted me to draw something for him because he couldn't do it. But what he was doing was seeing where my mindset was um, and wondering and seeing the effort that I would put into it. You know, if I had put just a little bit more effort into it, who knows? I might have had a little part-time job designing T-shirts, you know what I'm saying? I could have expounded on my artistic ability, you know, who knows? But it was just that opportunity that went by me because at that time in my mind, I wasn't thinking about it. You know, it wasn't important to me. Um, but it, it taught me a lesson. So, again, what's, the, what's a mistake? We'll just say, what's a mistake you ever made, and what did it teach you? If you want to put the biggest mistake, that's cool. Um, and then the last thing is more of a, a question to invite shift. If you feel shift is needed, um, what wisdom would you be willing to share from that experience to help all of us get a little wiser? What wisdom would you be willing to share from that experience to help all of us get a little wiser? I think Dad is back in the queue. Yo, yo. There he is. All right. We're yeah, all been back here. to normal. Yeah, yeah. no, that that's going to take another lifetime. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right now, I got... I'm dealing with I'm dealing with you know um, um, some other issues, but no, I, I feel you. Yeah, but I, I've been listening, man. I've been checking you out. You know, you slinging it like you do. Oh, don't let me slow you down. No, you know, I just wanted to make sure we brought you back in. So those are uh, again a couple of things that I wanted to share with you all. I hope that you all took the time to write those things down and. Um, Maybe if we have a moment before the end of the show, I can type it in the chat room. Uh, I definitely will will share it um, on social media and put those questions back out there for you. Um, mm-hmm. So you want to keep going with fixing fixed uh, mindset and growth mindset for another sec? How you doing over there, Dad? I know we were having some tech issues. We no, I was just trying to clear out of the um, out of the chat room because I was still logged in with the. Um... Anyway, I'm not going to get into all the technical stuff, but um, I don't. I probably won't be able to get back into the chat room now because I don't. I forgot how to go in through dysfunctional by design. So I'm not going to worry about that right now. You got it covered. Let's just. Yeah, um, where are we? Which which what? Um, I was hearing you, man. Yeah, you know, I think that you know you're bringing some valuable information. You know, um, um, and from what I was reading prior to stepping away and stepping back in, it seemed like, you know, the information was being well received. I, I don't know what your script is. I don't know what um what what time you've allotted to cover it, man, but go for it, you know. Um I think it's excellent information. So we were talking about um 
sports and baseball. And, and right. if if I can, I want to keep kind of keep the sports thing going for a second and talking about fixed mindsets and growth mindsets and just maybe giving some other examples as we try to determine, you know, where we are and how we can better ourselves in the new year and years after that. Um, so for those that don't know, not only uh, did I play a little baseball, like just little league, but <laughs> but not only did I like baseball, I also have a love for tanks. You know, Arthur Ashe is one of my one of my heroes. Um, I was pretty good at. It. I think I was better at tennis than baseball. What What do you think, Dad? Well, I, I had more. I put more time into it, also. So, and I wasn't getting shot in the chest all the time by your ground ball. So, <laughs> you know, I, <laughs> made a difference. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, um, I, I don't know, man. You know, it seemed like tennis was something you naturally came to on your own. You know, and I think yeah. that was the difference right there. Yeah. Yeah, but even, you know, it's, it's funny you say that. Even, like, you know, looking at that, um, it wasn't – I didn't look at it like, oh, my dad did it, so I know I'm going to be good at it. And even you talk about fixed mindsets and growth mindsets, like having a fixed mindset, I would think I didn't really have to work on it, that I naturally had this talent. But with the growth mindset, I really – didn't know how to measure my talents. So I just kept working on it. So talking about tennis and fixed mindsets, right, tennis, Adam, um, a lot of people may remember the name John McEnroe. Um, and, you know, he was very uh, animated, if you will, on the tennis courts, you know, arguing with the judges and all kind of stuff like that. But, John McEnroe is um, a example of being of having a fixed mindset, you know, and and this is coming straight from him, um, and he believed that, you know, and he didn't have to learn, uh, he didn't like challenges, um, but he never really reached his his full potential, and it's like that's crazy though. How could that be? Because he was like a number one player. Um, you know, but being this player, he had the talent, but mentally, when he would play, he would always be something else that caused him to lose. Like he would use sawdust, and one time he was getting whooped on it. He snapped at uh, um, one of his agents, like, man, this sawdust is terrible. You know, bring me some new sawdust because I'm getting my butt kicked, you know. <laughs> and he would put it on everything else and not just working on um, improving his talent, you know. Um, there was a, another example, but I'm, I'm not going to, I'm going to, it's kind of um, graphic in nature, so I'm not going to go there with it. But it was never his fault. You know, one time he, uh, when he lost, it was because he had a fever, uh, one time he had a, a backache, you know. Um, in 84, he was playing uh, Yvonne Lindell, um, and he was winning after, uh, like, two sets, I believe. But he lost the match. Uh, he blew the match. 
right? Because uh, a cameraman had taken off his headphones, his headset, and the noise was coming out of the headset, and it was disturbing him on the court. <laughs> you know, so he always had these excuses. It's not his fault. But what happened was because it was never his fault, he never trained to improve his ability, you know, to concentrate on his emotional control. When we talk about emotional intelligence or emotional uh, maturity, you know, he never took the time to improve his ability to concentrate or his really his emotional control. And that was obvious because he would always be so emotional on the court. Looking at basketball, I was. I said, "Ah, I'm back. I finally got ah, back in the chat okay. room." Oh, okay, cool, cool. Um, and and looking at basketball, you know, we talk about fixed mindset. Looking at basketball, uh, a perfect example, uh, I think a lot of us know, um, would be Michael Jordan. You know, there's a, a quote that Jordan that I, that I have on my computer. Um, I've missed more than 9,000 shots. I've lost almost 300 games. 26, time, 26 times he was trusted to take the game-winning shot and missed. And he's failed over and over and over. But that's why he succeeded. That's why I succeed. That's what's in the quote. Um, and, I, you know, if you, if you watch the Bulls back when he was getting beat down by the Pistons, you know, you knew that they had to have a growth mindset or they were just going to keep getting their ass whipped every playoff. Um, but they took the time to develop and get better. Um, legendary coach John Wooden says, you aren't, a fail- you aren't a failure until you start to blame. Now, what he means is that you can still be in the process of learning from your mistakes until you deny them. You can still be in the process of learning from your mistakes until you deny them. So I wanted to share just a couple of those real brief examples. Oh, one, one more example, one more example. Since where we're at, we, we did baseball, tennis, basketball, okay, football. Uh, there was this guy named uh, John Marshall, Jim Marshall, I believe. He was like this defensive player for the Vikings. And they were playing the game on national TV against the 49ers. A play occurred. There was a fumble on the play. Ball's on the ground. Church's money's on the ground. The ball's on the ground. And this guy, Marshall, picks up the ball, scoops it up, runs to the end zone. The crowd is going crazy. But he went to the wrong end zone. And this is before halftime, you know. So he still had another half to go. He still had two more quarters to play. But he had to deal with that mistake, the embarrassment, all that stuff that comes with it. He didn't let it, you know, he used that mistake, and he, and he used it to his advantage. He concentrated harder, you know, in his game. He had one of, one of, the, one of his best games ever, even though he went the wrong way uh, when scooping up this fumble. So, you know, it's just a matter of how you deal with mistakes, how you deal with, you know, the emotion. Uh, we talked about self-awareness last week. Um, and, and, and I'm going back and forth a little bit uh, to emotional intelligence. 
know, we're talking about emotion. Um, emotional intelligence, like, we talked about some different components last week, but there were three that I wanted to share tonight that I didn't have a chance to really talk about last week. And looking at emotional intelligence, it's, in a simpler form, it's said to have at least three skills. Uh, number one is emotional awareness or the ability to identify and name one's own emotion. The ability to identify and name emotion, one's emotion. The second part is the ability to harness those emotions and apply them to tasks like thinking and problem solving. And then the final skill set in developing emotional intelligence is the ability to manage emotions which includes both uh, regulating your emotions when necessary and helping others to do the same. We gave one example last week about having the right time. Um, if you're with your significant other and having that moment to uh, express how you feel, but sometimes it might not be the right time or something like that. Um, but identifying or how to manage that emotion um, when necessary and helping others to do the same. So those were um, a couple of brief points I wanted to follow up with fixed mindset and growth mindset, a little bit on emotional intelligence. And I hope again that as we look at ourselves and ask these questions and again, you know, uh, take take value in our personal inventory. Personal inventory and baggage is not always a bad thing, too. There's a lot of value in that. Um, but as we deal with that and as we plan to make 2021 a better year, um, yeah, like, um, I hope that that helps. So, um, did you have any, any questions, uh, Dad, anything that you uh, may require some follow-up? Uh, anything um, uh, you would like me to add more to? Because I want to make sure we had some time for uh, a black view as well. Okay. Well, um, you, know, that, you know, that can always be, you know, um, at another time. That's not important. What What really matters is, being sure that we cover cover tonight anyway the full scope of what um the fixed growth mindsets and emotional intelligence um mean as it relates to you know individual accomplishment you know so you know the examples you know i i you know definitely fit with um you know the value of emotional intelligence or emotional maturity you know, and being able to deal with mistakes. You know, um, I think when it comes to sports, there's the fixed mindset of victory, you know, and I think that transcends all levels of sports, you know, whether it's individual or team play. The idea of victory, you know, what did um, Vince Lombardi say, say you know, um, victory isn't the main thing. Victory is the only thing. You know, and that seems to be what dominates sports today, you know. And so the value of statistics 
tends to only speak to victory. You know, I think examples that transcend that thought have to do with individual accomplishments in a team environment. Like I think of Ernie Banks, who two years in a row won most valuable player, and his team finished in last place both years. Now, that's an amazing accomplishment. But looking at looking at it through the lens of sports, you know, um, what's what's the value of being the most valuable player in the last place team? You know, and that tends to be what, what the driving force of success is today, you know, that how can you be the most valuable if your team was not successful? So individual accomplishment then gets a little bit tainted when it comes to modern approaches. So the fixed mindset of sports is winning is everything. The growth mindset, you know, of individuals participating in sports and people watching them, you know, is accomplishments, you know, is everything, you know, and accomplishments based on individual talent, you know. But then again, see, when you're dealing with sports, you're dealing with iconic approaches because our tendency is to see a, a sports figure as a hero. And whenever we, you know, whenever we catapult somebody to the status of hero, then we've already decided that they are, in fact, fixed in our minds as being perfect, you know, um, perfect in that which I have made them the hero. I don't know anything about how that applies to the individual's personal life, though. So when you when you start looking at it outside of the realm of sports, you know, where then do we turn to get an understanding of fixed growth mindsets? Really, it just comes back to the point you made last week of how it's defined and what it means and where it's applied you know, to the individual. And I, and I don't think, you know, there's, there's any way of um, doing that any other way than, than the elements that you used, you know, last week and in, in, in looking at, you know, each of the components, at least some of the examples you gave us. And I know I have them written down here somewhere, you know, of um, the fixed minds, not flexible feelings of failure, stick to what they know. That's what, Fixed mindset: a person sticks to what they know, tends to personalize right. criticism. Worthy, uh, there's a sense of worthlessness and a feeling that nobody cares. And then, you know, like in inventory, you know, my thought is, okay, if that's what the fixed mindset is, then my next assignment is to take those. What is that? One, two, three, four, five, six comments or six attributes to the fixed mindset. And decide then what is the complement to each of them in the growth mindset. So if I'm looking at obviously, well, maybe not obvious, not flexible, then, you know, I would need to look at where I'm not flexible, you know, um, and then ask myself, is that something that I want to aspire to be more around a, a growth approach? So if I'm not flexible with a group, you know, then I need to learn how to work with others. I mean, these are the examples you gave last week, you know, mm -hmm. um, and what you talked about earlier in regards to failure. I forgot the example you used, but um, instead of seeing it as failure, recognizing failure is an opportunity for growth, you know. Right. Um, and even though you had um, 
the, the, the one about not flexible and lear- learning to work with others, then later, you know, you, you made the point of sticking to what you know. And then in the growth mindset is, no, instead you need to be flexible, not limit yourself to only what you know. You know, right. and I think if we look at it that way and then apply it to, you know, what the struggles of individuals in in, 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 in the arena of sports and, and what the intended individual accomplishment was meant to be, I, you know, like I remember, and of course, anytime you would tell the story about anything, you know, there's always going to be those of us who are going to say, yeah, I watched that game. Yeah, I was there. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, I remember, <laughs> you know. But it just so happens I did watch the Vikings in that game, and I wish I could remember who they were playing against. But, um, you know, Jim Marshall was an outstanding defensive player, you know, but he had some beats. He had Carl Eller and he had Alan Page. So Jim Marshall was by, you know, they called them the purple people eaters, you know. And so, you know, so, yeah, Jim Marshall, you know, like will always be enshrined as running the wrong way, you know. And that is, you know, so – I don't know where he, you know, applies flex- flexibility to a to a to a standard that's been imposed upon him. But one thing's for sure, you know, they won that game, you know, and you know, um and and he came out for the second half and you know, I love what that line was in that movie, you know, for love of the game. And it was showing this uh in the it's a movie. But um in, in the movie, this guy had a ball pop off his head and popped into the stands for a home run. And he was sitting in the, in the locker room, the clubhouse, and he was distraught and fearing to go um, face the um, sports writers. And he was saying that, yeah, they, you know, they're going to be, you know, making a joke out of this for a long time. I, he said, I'm sure it was funny. And the hero of the movie turned to him and said, you know, there's a lot of things that they play on ESPN that I don't think is funny. And then he looked at the cat and he said, don't let them make a, a joke out of you. We'll come back to this ballpark later and we'll learn how to walk, how to work the, how to work the wall, but don't let them make a joke out of you. And then my man walked away and the cat was sitting there and the, and the club keeper walked by him and he said, Oh, school, baby. <laughs> he knows what he's talking about, <laughs> you know, and, and, and sometimes I think, you know, that's the, the link of recognition is what the substance of character is built on. You know, so my man had a chance to recognize, yeah, okay, they might want to make this funny, but I don't have to be a part of the clown show. I don't have to take yeah. sand and throw it on the ground and do the shuffle. You know, I, I can see myself beyond the scope of that one thing of running the wrong way or having the ball hit them or like, you know, the example used of Michael Jordan, you know, now there is a fixed mindset with Mike, you know, understand that, right? And that fixed mindset, ain't nobody else got no business having this ball near the end of the game but me. <laughs> you, know, Mike, you know, there was no flexibility in that, in that talk. And, and, right. and when you think about it, it's like, yeah, bet. <laughs> you know, who else on yeah. this team would we rather have the ball? <laughs> you know, so, yeah. you know, coaches beware, you know. And in spite of the fact that you know Mike is going to have the ball, still coaches would think that it could outthink skill you know and it's like well coach you on the bench that cat guarding me you know he, he he ain't he ain't where your growth mindset is he's got a fixed mindset of 
I don't want to be the post-up boy. And <laughs> Mike takes a shot and wins the game. How come you ain't got a double team on <laughs> You know, so, you know, there's, there's avenues in sports. But, you know, my favorite example is always going to be, you know, um, Edison, you know, Thomas Alva Edison, who said, yeah, you know, people say I failed 10,000 times in, in attempting to discover electricity, which, of course, he really didn't discover it. He just, right. you know, was able to to filter it, fil- 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 filter it from their brother who did Latimer, I think was his name. You know, but anyway, he Louis said, Latimer. you know, yeah, there you go. Louis, right on, my man, you know. Um, he said, you know, no, he didn't fail 10,000 times. He discovered 10,000 ways that it didn't work. <laughs> you know, and I think that's that's the other side. That's moving from a fixed mind of it didn't work, so I failed to a, a, a flexible mind of, no, I just found ways, you know, I, I got all them other ways out of the way, which is really what science is all about anyway. Science isn't about um, discovery as an absolute initially. Science is about discounting all the ways that it won't work to find the way that does. So the first thing science sets out to do is just like with this COVID thing. Their first, their whole trials were about discovering what don't work, knowing that that's how we're going to figure out what does. But first we got to eliminate all the things that don't. And that's what all the tests were about. That's what all tests are about. And that's how you find out where you are with a test. You know, even if it's a, even if it's a hundred, you know, there's still something to look at what it took to finally get to that place of 100, you know, or 100, I'm sorry, you know. Um, and, you know, it, but, you know, it's just funny how things work. You know, I could, like, I look at me in school and we know, you know, that's a long story in itself, you know, how long it took me to get out of high school. But it set a tone in my mind that in spite of all that, you know, I still have my memories and I still have my accomplishments. But what I didn't want to have is a fixed idea of what you or Brandon or Armand was supposed to accomplish in school. You know, fixed on the idea of 100% all A's. You know, uh, it's like, well, is that a true testimony to, 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 to skill and ability? Or is that just being able to prepare for a test? <laughs> you know, you remember what you told Armand, you know, like um, I, when I said to him, man, I don't ever remember seeing you ever come home with homework. And he said, that's because I always did it in school because it was easy. And, and I said, man, do you have any idea where you could have finished in your class if you had come home and studied, you know, along with doing your homework? But if you had just continued to study and before he could say anything, you said, scholarships <laughs> you know so sometimes you know sometimes it's a matter of understanding where growth you know this I, and i might be completely off the page man and, and reel me back in if i am you know but it seems to me that's where fixed and growth mindsets need, need to have a a meeting of the way and i think that's where you know emotional intelligence kicks in you know are we doing this for me are you are we doing this for you are we doing this for us? You know, do we really understand what this is about? Do I want you to be my idea of you, or do I want you to maximize your true growth potential, you know, by discovering who you are? Am I going to use grades? I'm talking as a parent. Am I going to use your grades to determine how well you're rounding out as a, as a, as a child of God, 
you know, um, so if you if you come up less than an A, that means you're less than a complete child of God, or I'm going to recognize that even with a C, your character is impeccable. You know, uh, Martin Luther King Jr. graduated with a C average from Morehouse. You know, what would have happened maybe if he had graduated with all A's? Maybe he would have been a, above the idea of being a lowly civil rights leader. Who knows? But one thing we do know is that his oratory skills, ungraded, you know, as far as the culture is concerned, is par excellence, can't be touched. You know, you can't you can't teach anybody their skills. You know, you can only encourage its development. That's how, you know. But, I mean, this is what I'm getting from this understanding of fixed growth mindsets and emotional intelligence. There's no guarantee, you know, there's no guarantee that all three of these are going to work in, in, in parent-child minds at the same time. One may be fixed, let's say parent. And one may be in a growth mode, let's say child, or let's say the child might be in a fixed mode, especially with peer pressure and, and the competitive air of school. You know, if I don't get all A's, I'm a failure. You know, all A's is the key to being popular, you know. Right. And the parent might be in a growth mindset of, you know, having the advantage of life saying, no, nah. you know, there was a time when great presidents barely got out of high school. Edison, I mean, not Edison, Einstein dropped out of high school, <laughs> you know, and, and he, 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 he equals MC squared. He discovered taking a nap on the couch, <laughs> you know, so, you know, in a dream. And so it goes with Newton sitting under a tree and getting hit on the head with a fallen apple. What if that apple hadn't hit on his head? Maybe he never would have discovered the principles of gravity. Who knows? But, you know, it, it's sometimes the fixed mindset is a distorted view you know, uh, what success is supposed to be, you know. And, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, there, there's that. Um, and I think we, we ask that question a lot, you know, what what defines success? Yeah, um, man. You know, and, but, the, you know, and is the individual allowed to define that, you know, by her or himself? But with that, I think we should also consider and this came to me last night. If we're going to look at what defines success, what defines failure? Amen. You know, from that same individual mind. Right. Right. Amen. You know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and is this a, and is this a dialogue that can happen? You know. Again, thinking about Edison, right? No, there's, I found there's 10, that emotional ways that it didn't work. Yeah. Go ahead. Sure. There's, there's that emotional intelligence part about that conversation you're talking about. Can you have yeah. that conversation? Right. Can you can you have that? Yeah. yeah. What defines uh, failure also? Uh, try not to let – I think one thing that you've always taught me, you've always tried to teach me what I'm, you know, still learning to this day, uh, of not letting one setback define me, you know, not letting one thing that didn't work out just hold me down, and that's who I am because I couldn't do this one thing. Um, but, again, like we mentioned, how what you think matters. And with the fixed mindset, if you think that it's just your talent and that's it, then that's it. You're, I mean, you are a failure. <laughs> that's yeah. your affirmation, yeah. you know. 
that that is your affirmation. There is no nothing else to grow from that. Nothing else to come from that. Um, um, yeah, I just um, wanted to throw just throw that in there. Absolutely. You know, I'm thinking of a of, of a quote that I I got from Les Brown as he was telling his story. You know, um, having been diagnosed as being educably mentally retarded, and that was the term mm-hmm. used back in the days when he was in grammar school. And he came across this teacher, Mr. Washington, who he just happened upon because he wandered into Mr. Washington's room waiting for a friend of his who had already left the room, so he was waiting for his friend to come back. And so Mr. Washington just struck up a conversation with him. And he said, hey, you know, um, come on up here and, and, and write something on this board, you know. And, and, and Les said, as he told the story, well, he told Mr. Washington, well, I can't write that. And he said, well, why not? He said, just come up, write your name then. Just write some history about it. And Les, and Les Brown said, well, I don't know how to do that. I can't do that. And he said, well, why? And, and Les said he told Mr. Washington because, you know, I'm educably mentally retarded. And Mr. Washington, now this is me talking, Mr. Washington in his insight knew right away that based on what Les's own idea of himself was, there was no way he understood what that term meant. There was no way in his mind he had to find it. So rather than get into that whole dialogue about what Les knows and what he doesn't know, which probably would have just piggybacked the whole idea of being stupid, instead he said, boy, look, let me tell you something. Don't let another person's opinion of you ever determine your reality. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And, you know, let's got that point right away. He says, for some reason, you know, he realized he had been defined by everybody else's opinion of him. And he had never asked himself the very thing you just said. You know, what for him does failure look like? He had everybody else's opinion, but what's his opinion of failure? You know, I um, for 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 many years, you know, for many years. I thought of myself as a failure because I didn't accomplish what I think I was sent to high school to accomplish. But I may have been sent there to raise a whole new bar of what it meant to become a permanent student <laughs> and not even know it. You know, but I, but I got it. You know, when I really began to understand it, and y'all got to excuse us for doing this, when I really started getting it, man, is when I saw you dealing with, after being nine years in Atlanta, coming back home with this idea in your head that somehow, because you didn't come back with this sheepskin, that you was a failure. A man who picked up, left left the home, you know, went to Atlanta with no promise of, of anything, you know, but went down there to get enrolled in school, only to get enrolled in school and find out that, but, you ain't going to be able to start for another semester. And finding your way to find a place to stay, to do what you needed to do, to last until you got in school, and then to find your own mark in life for those nine years that you were there, you know, and to have you come home feeling like a failure, that's when I realized, oh, this man, you know, has accomplished more than any education could have ever given him. But if he doesn't have that acceptance of self-education and what he learned, it won't mean anything. And to see you struggle and come to grips with that is where I was able to shake off that sense of frustration, of disappointment and failure through my five and a half years plus summer school. 
<laughs> of being in high school. <laughs> yeah. 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 Only the graduated nineteen because they didn't want me there to, when I was twenty and to get drafted into the army three months later, you know. And you know, like but I had no until we were driving home from Atlanta and just you know, watching you wrestle with that man, I realized, man, you know, that's that's gonna be the hard road, not the nine years he was there because he's already written it off as failure. But to come to grips and realize the major accomplishments, you know, that you um that you succeeded in. You know, what got me is when you would tell your story to your younger cousins, man, you were their hero. Wow, you did that. You went away from home, you left home and you went down there and you didn't have no plate, you didn't know what you just got on the plane and you went and you had to find everything. You did all all on your own. Nobody t- man, they were like sitting bug eyed listening to you. And you didn't even know that what was happening. <laughs> you was almost apologizing, you know, and they were like, Man, tell us more. So you're right, man. You're absolutely right. We uh, at least I absolutely agree with you. You know, but then again, you know, I spent forever in high school, so I may not be a good testimony. <laughs> but I agree with you, man. You know, it does no good for somebody to define success for themselves if they haven't taken a look at what failure means to them as well. Uh, you know, I definitely co-sign to that one, man. Right on, bro. Yeah. Yeah, cool. All right, like I said, it just popped in my head last night. I thought, at least for me, I thought it was very um, kind of powerful in looking at that. We always talk about success a lot. We don't talk about failure. You know, yeah, it's not one like of I'm those trying words. to manifest it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, exactly, and that's that, that's the problem. You know, to even bring it up in dialogue, it's like, well, you don't want to give no energy to that. You know, it's like it already has energy. <laughs> I I didn't yeah. invent the word. <laughs> you know, it, it you know it already has roots. You know, it already has its debilitating impact you know, on the mental capacities of the human of the being. You know, it's already, that's already there. But, you know, where can we talk about it and not have to get into the, you know, the the um, the superstitions? You know, man, language, language is a gift. It's not a harassment. <laughs> <laughs> it it feels like it though sometimes. Uh, I know. <laughs> I know, right? <laughs> You know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? Right. <laughs> what now? Man, now what, man? I'm telling you, what word are you going to use on me now? Oh, man, <laughs> you know, oh, beautiful, man, oh, beautiful. And I think, you know, I, I think it would be a good idea if we just, you know, consider it, if you will, you know, to, for the next couple of weeks on through the rest of this year, you know, for the next couple of shows, which will be the end of this you know, this year as we know it, to, you know, deepen even more into the fixed mindset, the growth mindset and emotional intelligence, man, if you, if you, if you want to, EP. I mean, that's, that's, that's what I was, I was thinking. I mean, um, you know, we could talk about more examples. I would love to hear from, from the audience out there as well, uh, if they want to share anything. Um, Is there anybody left? Let me run them all off. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> well, maybe maybe not tonight because I, I know yeah. we're under the twenty minute mark here. But oh, are we? Uh, wow, so, we sure are. So yeah. also okay. since since we're and while I'm thinking about it, we're talking about next week. 
So next week, mm-hmm. as you know, uh, it's Christmas Eve. Uh, so we're not going to do a show on Thursday. So what we're going to do is just switch to our Wednesday, but we'll use this same format. So it will be the, the greenhouse, greenhouse effect, effect. Right. and and not dysfunctional by design. So we'll stay with the greenhouse right. effect. Uh, so it will be this this same uh, uh, URL and the same phone number for those that are on the phone line. So so next Wednesday, the 23rd, and then um, depending on the how we do it weeks. Christmas. The next two weeks. Yeah, yeah the next, the next two weeks. Wednesday. Yeah, let's just wrap that up. Right you know, we got right. Christmas yeah. Eve and New Year's yeah. Eve. So we'll okay. look for both shows we on go. the 23rd yeah. and the 30th. All right. Yeah. So, you know, these these are intelligent folks. We don't, you know, they get it. <laughs> <laughs> right on. We're gonna be doing it Wednesday instead of Thursday for the next two weeks. Right. For the next you know, weeks. um just to touch on a little bit about, you know, what now now what, right? There's a new mutant, you know, virus that's coming out of the United Kingdom, a new um, a mutant um COVID virus. It's the same COVID nineteen, but it's it's mutated, you know, and science has no idea what they're dealing with right now. You know, all they know is that this mutant has come and, you know, they're um, taking a look at what its potential is as they're dealing with what they know they have right in front of them. You know, what now, right? You know, and um, if I can just continue with a couple more, do you mind? Sure. I don't mind. Um, (laughs) You know, the whole issue of of COVID-19 today or yesterday uh, it was, you know, over 300, I mean, three, 3,600 deaths, you know, which just a week ago we were talking about the new record was 3,400 deaths in, in one day. And yesterday, you know, it's already past that, you know, and the, and it's still, you know, so it's like being attributed to holiday travel, you know, um, visiting, you know, and getting out there, Thanksgiving, shopping, Black Friday. And this is the Christmas season, and everything is spiking out the hook right now, you know, and it's being attributed to the holiday season, which, you know, science feared, but again, because it wasn't supported, because, you know, your president was busy busy trying to pump the idea of economy, even while the numbers of the unemployed continued to rise, you know, and he tried to use the market as his support, which, of course, has all but crashed. So here we are you know, um, dealing with this element of what now, now what, to the 11th hour, and maybe Congress will, you know, before they decide to chill, you know, for the holiday season in the comfort of their own homes, you know, be merciful enough to come up with some package of rescue to go along with everything that's still happening. But it's not done yet. It's definitely not a done deal, and it's apparent well, it appears, I can't say it's apparent, but it appears that um, two things are happening. The negotiations are continuing, but also it's getting closer and closer to, you know, the um, the budget of the nation. And, and without that being in place, you know, then government shuts down. So there's even more people who get thrust into unemployment. So, you know, what now? Now what? It's, it's, a, it's a sketchy, difficult, inconvenient, frustrating, confusing, debilitating, and depressive time that 
to me, the, the, the one great thing, the one great saving faith, the saving grace to remember, you know, is that the Lord gives and the Lord keeps on giving, <laughs> you know, in spite of what everybody else is saying, because, man, we still, we still out here, you know, and we still believe. Yeah, it, it, and, yeah, and it may trying. not be what you want, yeah. but the Lord going to keep on giving. <laughs> yeah. And we, yeah, and there you are. Yeah, we may not get what we want, but we definitely are going to continue to get what we need, you know. And um yeah. you know, and then, you know, um then this thing about, you know, it just came out from a study done by Medill Institute, you know, about 67% of eligible voters, eligible voters actually did cast their ballots, you know, this year. The most in 120 years, man, the most in the 120 year history of 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 equalized voting or standards of voting. But that still means about 80 million people didn't vote, you know, and that's, see, that's the thing, you know, we can talk about 67% and we think, wow, you know, that's so much greater than 33, but then we think of the third of the population didn't vote. What does that mean? 80 million people didn't vote, and we're dealing with all this that we are just from the people that did. And so the breakdown seems to suggest that, 29% of those who didn't cast the ballot weren't registered. 23% weren't interested in politics. 20% didn't like either candidate, you know, and 10%, 16% um, didn't feel their vote would make a difference, you know. And then the, the overall demographic suggests that most were likely to be Latino or younger or make less money or lower lower levels of education than, than, than other voters, you know, so that's that little bit. And then one last little thing, man, I just want to pick at your home, man, you know, cause it's on the airwaves right now, two years ago, you know, the cops busted into this um, social worker's apartment, you know, raided her apartment in the middle of the night, man, only to be busted into the wrong place. Right. And there she was standing naked before these 12 dudes, you know, um, and she was screaming, you got the wrong apartment. You got the wrong apartment. And this leader of the of the group is telling her, calm down. Now, they just came busting in, weapons drawn, and she was in bed, and she's standing naked in front of these 12 dudes, and I believe all of them were white. You know, some had their masks up, you know, and um, but they had their guns drawn. And while she's like, you know, I, I think she was allowed some degree of hysterics, this dude is telling her, lady, don't be shouting at me. You know, now there's a threat right there, <laughs> you know, and I have to figure out in my panic, you know, what is about to happen next, you know. And, but here it is. All this dude can say is, and it was, she was going through this trauma for 30 minutes before they even asked her name. And then the kicker, or, or for me, you know, herein lies the rub, it turns out that not only did she not fit the description of who they were looking for, but who they were looking for was, was booted. They had one of those uh, monitoring devices yeah. strapped to their ankles. So all any one of them cops had needed to do was go to their, you know, mobile um, um, computer, and they could have just ran a check to find out, you know, where that person was. And right away they would have yeah. known that, that wasn't her, you know. Yeah, yeah. Man. But for two years, this happened two years ago, you know, and they yeah, tried, she and for two years, they've managed to keep it from being um, broadcast. 
being shown yeah, to the public. Yeah, she, she kept she she kept trying to get it, and they kept denying her. Yeah, the uh, Freedom of Information Act. You know, they kept denying yeah, yeah. it, and yeah. they ain't a lot of freedom of the information. You see how hard she had to fight for it. Um, you know, and and yeah, you know, and she's telling them what her name is. You know, yeah. she's screaming at them and telling them, you know, my name is, and you got the wrong place. And all this dude could say was, don't be screaming at me, you know, and never bothered to ask her name, you know, as she was saying, you got the wrong place. So anyway, what a wonderful note to end the show on, right? (laughs) So um, hopefully next week there'll be time to get a little bit into, you know, more of the theme of um, a black's view. But you raised the point that I also want to maybe tap on at some point in the next two shows you know, about revisiting the idea of starting your own book club. You know, Mm -hmm. um, if if there's ever been a time, you know, that I'm thinking about the value of doing it, it's so much more now than at any time before. You know, telling our stories now rather than waiting for somebody else to tell it after we did, you know, get it out there now, you know. Yeah. Yeah, and even the things that we're talking about, yeah, even the things that we're talking about right now, uh, I think you know it's all relevant. And and oh yeah, for those for those that are for those that are listening out here, you know that and when we when we first started this this season, you know that was one of the first things we talked about is writing your own story, you know, Mm -hmm. and and how do we develop that? And I think part of that development. Is identifying your mindset, identifying your emotional intelligence or maturity, you know, identifying what you define as success or what you define as failure or fear, yeah. or yeah, what did you I you know, what did you identify? What was the question? The questions I asked, you know, one of those questions. What what was uh, the biggest mistake you made? You know, what did it teach you? All those things. Um, but yeah, I think this is definitely the time where we need to all we need to write our stories, or at least just go through that process, man. I want to just I want to just um, be sure to you know um, uh, make a comment you know to to a comment that was in the chat room. I'm not sure. I'm hoping he's still out there. But even if he ain't, for all the us that are, it's just something Ray said. You know, you can't fail if you never give up. You know, man. Right. I mean. You ask the question of, of failure. Well, it doesn't even need to be defined if if it's accepted that, you know, well, I don't even want to know what that is because I've already made up my mind I ain't giving up. <laughs> so that means the only way I can fail is if I give up. Wow. <laughs> yeah. You know, that, that, you know that's, 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 that's deep. You know, that's deep. Yeah. Man. yeah. Right on. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, so we got about yeah. seven minutes left. Anything you want to throw out there? Um, yeah, we got about yeah about five minutes left. So uh, again, you know, uh, I didn't do it earlier in the show, but I did last week. And just a reminder, just you all, please be aware of you know your trees and your heaters um, as it gets colder. Uh, just want us all to practice uh, fire safety at home. Um, yes, you know, be I'm aware sorry, of all your plugs and stuff. 
I'm sorry for chuckling, man, but Ray just put another comment up there that he's still trying out for the Chicago Bears. <laughs> right on, bro. That's what I'm talking about. Yeah. You know, he can't say I failed until I decide to quit. Ray said he's still going to try for the Bears, you know. Boy, you, My man. you talk about. You talk about fixed mindsets <laughs> up here in Chicago, boy. They 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 have something else when it comes to these bears. <laughs> yeah, well, you know, but I just love that comment he made. He said he said and he's training accordingly. So we'll see. <laughs> right, on, right on, man. You know, right on, man. You know, you know, uh, you got a cousin that at the time was the oldest rookie on the Chicago Police Department, and she was female on top of it. Yeah, that's your cousin Carol. You know, and I think she was um I think she joined the force either in her late forties or early maybe her late fifties, I'm not sure. But the oldest rookie ever and a female, black on top of it, man. You know, so it ain't right on, Ray. You know <laughs> Go on, man. You know, do do the reverse Rudy on them, Ray. <laughs> you know. Just, just don't take that ass whooping doing practice like you did. Well, you won't have to because you're big dude. Yeah, man. You'd be dishing it out, boy. You'd be taking it. All right, man. I'm sorry, man. I guess my, my joking playing around threw you off stride. I apologize, bro. No, no, no problem at all. Um, just real quick, I saw somebody just pressed one on their keypad on the phone line. Unfortunately, since we didn't have a lot of time left, I wasn't able to bring you in. So I hope that uh, you'll bring that energy back next Wednesday and uh, hit that one again early in the show or whenever we'll, we'll bring you in so you can share, share the power of your effects and, and share what you like to share next Wednesday. But I was right just saying again, just be aware, you know, it gets colder, just be aware of your heater, your, your trees or your Christmas lights. Or if you, if you're celebrating Christmas or Kwanzaa, just uh, or, uh, Hanukkah, just be aware of, you know, Fire safety, and not only safety in the in the house, uh, but also safety outside. It's uh, some rough times out here for a lot of people, and uh, I always say, "Tis the season for thieving," and that's just what it is. It's that time right now, so please be aware of your surroundings at all times. Um, that was my little PSA. Um, yeah, so that that's what that is for tonight. Uh, again, you know, hundred episodes. Uh, Dad, you know, we're still cooking, man. We're still cooking. We're still growing. Uh, so this is awesome. Thank you right again for being here for me. Uh, we are definitely in the now. I hope you all stay in the now and be happy with yourself, you know. Uh, we are in the fire before rising out of the ashes. The only question is, who are you going to be when you come out of those ashes? So next Wednesday, next Wednesday, we are back. <clears throat> Greenhouse Effect here on Blog Talk Radio. Any last uh, last thing before we go, Daddy-O? No, man. This is it. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, please be safe out there. Mask up. Oh, you already hit it. Awesome. Please be safe out there. Mask up. Don't let perfection get in the way of productivity, y'all. We'll see you all next Wednesday. Um, Be blessed. Amen. Good night.